Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So we're in our... Uh... Our core, our core series, our core values, uh, the seven of them here at uh, Hill Country Fellowship and taking one each week as we walk through. Um, and overall, our big idea, our mission at HCF is that we are leading people to discover their purpose and the joy of Jesus. We want people to know uh, wh- why they were created by God, specifically what makes them come alive, what he's got for them, and then to live in the joy that always comes in following Jesus. If you follow Jesus and there's no joy in your life, you're missing something. You probably have a lot of you or religion in there, and Jesus will cure that as long as you, help, as long as you, you, you let him show you why he made you, discover your purpose, and, and then live in that joy. Um, and so our goal is to live out the mission of a Jesus-following church as we are Jesus-following people within this body and within this family. So today's core value is it's about the one. It's about the one. Big idea is that you are uniquely created with God-given value, every one of you. Every one of the lost people out there on this planet are created with God-given value, and Jesus took the time for each one and, and, and so do we. Uh, it means a lot of different things. It looks a lot of different ways. It, it plays itself out in your life and in the church's life and in different ministry uh, applications in different ways. Uh, it looks like one thing when we go to Cameroon. It looks like another thing when they're having Bridges International and hundreds of international students come to, to Camp Buck near here in the Hill Country and, and we play that out. It looks uh, a different thing when we're, when we're working with foster adopt ministries or having the, the Pregnancy and Life Center uh, fundraiser and just loving on uh, babies and loving on uh, moms and dads who have decided to, uh, to, to raise their babies uh, and let the Pregnancy and Life Center help them out. It looks different for your neighbor. As you reach that one, it looks different for maybe your child's best friend. Maybe they're growing up in a, in a household that doesn't know Jesus, and so you are their only Jesus they get, and so it looks different. But what we want to do is, 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 is live out as ambassadors of Jesus what it means to, to go for the one. You know, God's always been in the business of restoration and then celebrating that restoration. He's the most joyful one there is. Um, ever since the, the sin in the garden, God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna redeem and I'm gonna restore and I'm gonna make a way where there's no way. Uh, and, and so he made a promise in Genesis 3.15 that, that he has fulfilled up until this day and he will fulfill until the day he returns. And, and for each one that knows Jesus in this room or watching online or listening on the radio, he has come for you, and, and you accepted that. And then for everyone who doesn't know him, he, he's coming for you. Uh, not coming for you, but he's coming for you because he loves each one. Uh, so we're going to be looking at a lot of stories today. Uh, and if I get caught up in a story and we don't finish the stories that I had planned to tell, that's on the Holy Spirit. That's not on me. Uh, and we'll just, uh, and, and we'll, we, we might not, for, I'm saying this for the person trying to follow along with me. I may not get there. Um, on, you know, with what you have to put up on screen. Uh, but in Luke 15, uh, which is our main passage today, 
Jesus tells us about the absolute importance of going after the one. And, and at the, the beginning of that, um, um, he, you, you see this, this struggle happening. Uh, the, the religious, the kind of the, the, uh, the neatly packaged religious leaders of the day, they were getting upset because he was gathering a bunch of rabble-rousers, a bunch of, uh, of, of messy people around him. He was gathering a bunch of ones um, who needed salvation, and, and they didn't like that as far as religion goes because it wasn't clean-cut and pretty. Um, and so it says in verse 1, um, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation, all of us were there at one time, were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. I would say treating them like human beings, right? Their grumbling triggered this story from Jesus. Uh, you got to beware when something you do triggers something from Jesus, but uh, buckle up. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you'd put it on your shoulders, put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me, I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. That's the good in the good shepherd. Jesus doesn't beat us up for being lost, right? He doesn't, he doesn't say, how dare you be lost, lost person? He says, hey, I'm coming to find you. And when you turn to him and you say, help, here I am. Would you accept this? I believe. I'll follow. I have doubts, but I still believe you're the right one. Whatever it is, when you turn and you just give up, he says, come here. I'm going to, not only am I going to save you, but now I'm going to carry you. I'm going to pick you up out of your pit. How many of you were in pit in life at one point? Jesus picked you up. Jesus gets in the muddy pit with you because he he's not scared of getting dirty because he knows he's clean right? He'll get in and he'll pick you up out of that mess. He'll put you on a, on a path to life. He lovingly rescues us and he lifts us up and he gives us a hope and a future like we read in Jeremiah 29. And then he joyfully carries us to safety. He doesn't begrudgingly carry us to safety. He joyfully does. That's the grace in salvation that he joyfully carries us. He goes on to tell a couple other stories. There's one of the lost coin right after that. It's a very valuable coin, and, and this, this woman loses it, and she does whatever it takes, turns the house upside down to find the lost coin because everyone is valuable. He goes on to tell a very famous passage, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son or the loving dad, whatever your, your Bible might title it, and and it's him saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even look for the one who has turned his back on me and shaken his fist at me and told me I'm dead to him. I'm going to look for him. And I'm going to be excited when he comes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice when I see him. In that story, the, the son finally gives up in his, in his debaucherous, horrible lifestyle. He's, and, 
And part of it he gives up because he has nothing left. Like, he's not like all of a sudden living high on the hog. He's living with the hogs, but not living high on the hog. Uh, that's pretty funny. Actually, I got it. Uh, so does somebody over here. Um, uh, where was I? Jesus, right? Jesus. Uh, I feel like Jim. There'll be donuts. There'll be donuts. No. Um, well, he... He, it reminds me of my story. When I gave up and turned to Jesus, it wasn't like I was living great and be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have all this now, Jesus. I was like, I got nothing else to do. Like, you're my only shot. Uh, and I, don't need, I came to Jesus going, I don't know if you can quite do anything with me, but I'll give you a shot. That's, that was my measure of faith. I made a mustard seed look like, you know, Mount Everest. Uh, and still... This one mattered to Jesus enough where he said, I can work with that. So this son had lost it all. He finally, he's going back. He's like, I'll just be a servant. And when he's still a long way off, his father saw him because he's always looking for him. His heart pounding. His dad runs out and embraces him and kisses him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. I, I saw that yesterday and I was like, I love that. Now I can, if I, my kids ever say, Dad, you're not listening. I'm like, it's in the Bible. But no, no. But the dad calls all the servants. He's like, it's party time. Get him a new robe. Give him the family ring. Give him new shoes. Kill the best calf we have. We're gonna celebrate with joy this son of mine who was lost and is now found. We're gonna have a wonderful time, it says. We're gonna feast God loves to rescue us, and he gets so excited when he does. That's why Jesus said there's more joy in heaven when one sinner repents than the 99 who've already repented and saved. God loves them, and, and there's those moments when he already rejoiced over them. But the lost one who's lost eternally gets found eternally. That's worth rejoicing over. And then God loves to rescue the ones and then and then invite them in to his rescue plan for all the other ones. Story of Moses in, in Exodus 3. He's, you know, he's raised in the king's palace there as, uh, as an Egyptian in essence. And, um, and then he, he kills an Egyptian. He runs off and he hides on the backside of the wilderness. Here's one who ran away and hid after a major failure. He considered his own life a loss and worthless, and God came to where Moses was hiding out and just finishing up life. That's probably what he was assuming he was doing. And, and so God calls him to be the one, to be rescued by him, and then be the one to rescue a nation out of, out of captivity. And, and Moses keeps resisting it. Even when God you know, talks to him through a burning bush that doesn't burn up, Moses was like, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, he, he dismisses himself. Verse 11, Exodus 3, he says, what makes, he goes, uh, what makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh, God? Verse 13, he says, like, how are people going to believe me? He's talking to a burning bush, by the way, right? How are they going to even believe me? On into chapter 4. He objected, they won't trust me. They won't listen to a word I say. They're gonna say, God appeared to him? Hardly. For a fourth time, he objects, I, I don't talk well. I've never been much good with words and stuff, you know? He's like, I stammer and I, and I stutter. 
uh, I just, you know, uh, I'm not goodly with the things like vowels. You know, that's, he's making up stuff. He, he objects one more time, please send someone else. And the burning bush got a little angry. It was like, Moses, it's not about you. It is and it isn't and it is. I want to save you. You're my one. But then I need to use you to rescue all my ones from captivity. And when you go, I'm the one going. When you do, I'm the one doing. When you speak to the one, I'm the one speaking. And he's saying that to you today too. So a question I have for us, are you hiding from something right now? Because of something you've done or something you haven't done, some failure? Are you, have, you, have you put yourself on, on the backside of the wilderness and you're just like, you know, I'm just gonna finish up life. I, I blew it here and I did that there. People know I love Jesus, but I did that. So that's me. Are you hiding? Have you placed yourself somewhere that God hasn't placed you? Are you hearing him say, I want to set you free from your shame and your lies and help you live on purpose with a hope and a future because I have so much for you, an abundant life, and then I have so much for other people from you because they don't have an abundant life. In fact, they have no life. They have no eternity right now, and you're the one I'm going to use to go to them. In 2 Samuel 12 we see the story of King David, a very famous story. He had sinned with Bathsheba and uh, committed adultery and then tried to cover that up by having her husband murdered and uh, just all this stuff as just bad stuff. And he's trying to live beyond that. He knows, she knows, and, and he's just trying to live now beyond that. And we see the story of how God took the time for one who failed miserably and was choosing to live in that sin, hidden, pretending it didn't happen, and just going on with life. But God loved him enough to not let that be the definition for his life or the end of anything great he would do. So he, he used another one, a friend of his named Nathan, who's a prophet, to go to him and rescue him. Because God loves to use ones that he's rescued to rescue ones he wants to rescue. And so he goes and, and Nathan tells him this story. And then all of a sudden he's like, that's actually you, bro. And David's response is, I've sinned against God. He's broken. He finally admitted it. The cover-up is done. He's just ripped off the, the, the top of that coffin and it just, it smells bad. Now there's death there, but, but it's not covered up anymore. And then Nathan pronounced, yes. Yeah, you did sin, but that's not the last word. God gets the last word, and his last word is, I forgive you. That's the last word, David. You won't be remembered for this as far as your reputation. This will be part of your story in God. So a question I have for us, you need to repent of something. Is there something in your life you're just... You're harboring, you're hiding, you're hoping goes away. You've, you've locked it way down in there. You, you've pushed it down far enough and you're doing stuff. But it's just a sin issue that you just need to say, God, I, I did sin. And hear God say, I forgive you. 
be forgiven fully, set free, holy by a holy God. I mean, Jesus has already made everything right for you. He made me righteous. Everyone, saved and unsaved, has been made righteous. They just need to always appropriate it. The only difference between a person who will live in in hell forever and a person who lives in heaven forever is that person in heaven has said, yes, I accept what you did on the cross for me one time. So we have to embrace that in, in Colossians 1. Paul tells us exactly what Jesus did and and how he did it. Colossians 1 verse 20 says, Through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. What we celebrate in hyperactive form at Easter is always our testimony. Jesus died once for all time. In verse 21, this includes you and you and you and you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And don't forget that it's not like, hey, you didn't do much, you didn't do anything wrong, he just saved you. No, we were his enemies. We are no longer his enemies by, by, by accepting the work of Jesus on the cross. We were once far away from God doing our own evil things. And Jesus made a way, we accept it, and we're saved for all time. That one down your street, that one in your family, That one you work with, that one soccer mom, that one person you're going to see at the grocery store that doesn't know him yet, they're his enemies whether they know it or not. But they can be saved and maybe you're the one that Jesus is going to use to rescue that one. I mean, look at Zacchaeus in in Luke chapter 19. We see Jesus, he, he loves to to go after the unlikely ones in those unlikely places. And Luke 19, verse one starts off and says, then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name was Zacchaeus. He was the head tax man. So he's the chief tax collector of all the tax collectors. So he's the top dog embezzler thief extorter. So he, you know, they stole from their own people. They, They did what they needed to do and then they got extra, right? And he's the head tax man and quite rich because of it. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. I'm feeling you, bro. Um, So he's like, what do I do? So he ran on ahead. He climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, never met the man. Can you imagine being what you are? That kind of a thief and a liar and an extorter and just mean-spirited in that. And you're up in a tree and and a guy walks by and says your name. Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. 
What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I will give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. And Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. Big deal to be called that from a person who's a a thief amongst his own people. For the son of man came to find and restore the lost. I love how Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't require us to come into this pristine uh, holy of holies. He finds us in the muck and the mire and the pit and the, and the wilderness and the shadows, in the darkness and the pride. Wherever we are, he finds us there and he says, I, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to do life with you. He's formerly an enemy of God doing evil things like Paul had said in Colossians. But... Zacchaeus had God-given value, so Jesus took the time for this one. And some of the ones that he will send you to or lead you to, or maybe you're here and you're one of these ones, you have a hard time believing that you have quality, that you are valued or valuable. Uh, a lot like Moses when he objected, I, I don't have quality, I have no value, you got the wrong guy. Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody that you go to. But Jesus knows I don't make junk. I only reclaim a masterpiece and make it even better than it was before. It's about the one. He pursues, so we pursue. In John 4, Verses 1 through 30, it's this famous story of the woman at the well, and uh, a lot of us know it and, and probably love that story. Uh, if you've seen The Chosen, it's very powerful, um, that, that episode, that scene. But, but you know, Jesus goes, and, and he's there, uh, and there's a Samaritan woman there. You're not supposed to hang out with Samaritan women, and then uh, as a Jew or Samaritans, and, you know, all this stuff shouldn't be happening, but, but Jesus is, is there because she was created with God-given value and he's taking the time for this one. And so he's talking to her about drinking water that ne- you know, you'll never thirst again. And she's like, ooh, I want some of that. And he goes, go and get your husband. And this is her response. I have no husband, she said. <laughs> Jesus, that's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth, sure enough. Uh, uh, I love how Jesus is like, I, I can play too. Um, But the reality is that she mattered, even in her sin, and and even being a a Samaritan and and shouldn't have been one that he talked to, she mattered more than the cultural rules. She was more important than her past or even her present sin could ever cancel out. She needed to be set free. She was living in sin, and, and, and Jesus needed to to call that out so that she could be set free. I mean, he didn't wimp around it, right? He, he says, hey, this is what's happening. It, he spoke truth in grace, but he accepted her and he loved her and he kept talking to her. He didn't judge her. I mean, talk about a, a person far away from God. 
This woman was a part of a nobody people and then she was an outcast among her own people and living in massive sin and probably had a ton of shame that she lived in. But Jesus took the time for this one. He didn't demand devotion. He loved her and he accepted her. He didn't say it's okay what you're doing, but he accepted her. There's a big difference. He showed her grace. He gave her the time of day, conversation, ultimately salvation for eternity. And because she was so cared for and loved, she accepted that and, and it transformed her. And in a moment, she chose redemption. She accepted the offer of, of following the king. So maybe that's your story. Maybe it was your story. You're living in this, you're feeling this about yourself, you're believing this because maybe this is still happening and Jesus is saying, just let me pick you up and rescue you. Is that your story? Do you need to be saved ultimately today or from that issue today? Jesus took the time for you. You're the one. You're the one. And that pursuit of her, man, it transformed a city. She went back in and in humility and in openness, she's like, there's a guy who told me all the things I have ever done. Y'all know him, but now I'm, I'm being honest about them. Come and see. And so they came out. They realized, wow, not only did he call her out, but she responded and she's different. And so that one transformed life just brought all the townspeople out they had to see who Jesus was. So what's your rescue story? What did he rescue you from? When you were the one who'd left the 99 or out on your own, what did he rescue from? Rescue you from? And, and, and do you recognize he really rescued you from an eternity without him and gave you an eternity in heaven. This is not our home. This is the place we're passing through and we're trying to get as many to heaven as possible. That's the only reason we're left here is to, is to advance the cause and the message of Jesus. All the ones that need salvation, all the ones that need love and acceptance and freedom and grace, we do that for other ones. Have you been rescued because Jesus came for you? Have you been rescued because Jesus came to you? Because he loved and forgave you? Have you? Have you been rescued? There's only one or two destinations for eternity. Hell without him that was made for Satan and the demons or heaven with him that he's been preparing for us and he will continue to prepare for us until the day we go there and there will never be a tear or grief or sorrow or sadness. There will only be joy and awesomeness for the rest of eternity. One of those two places, have you been saved to eternity with Jesus? And if so, how are you living life now on mission? What will you do with your rescue story? I love that song. I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. Uh, I love that song, Rescue Story by Zach Williams. I don't know if you've heard it. It's on the radio quite a bit. Um, but it, when I hear it, 
It breaks me every time. This is my rescue story. I was out here. I was stuck in the shadows. You came into the shadows to get me. You came into the pit to get me. I had no shot at life, and you came for me. You lifted me up out of the ashes. And every time I ran away, Jesus, you were stronger and bigger and more powerful than my shame. You are my rescue story, Jesus. How can I not live out of that? How can I not look at someone in need and go to them and love on them and pray for them and tell them about Jesus? Oh, but they're so anti-Jesus. That's because they don't know Jesus, right? And maybe, maybe they'll stay the same, but, but that one is worth rescuing because that one is created with God-given value. And Jesus took the time to make that one. And now he's asking you to go to that one as his ambassador. All they can do is say no. But how are you living out your life? And are you letting Jesus rescue you in your pit or in your shadow or in your sin? Because he will and he wants to. We're going to pray right now. And and during the the songs, you might want to come up here and just spend some time with Jesus, making some stuff right in your heart. Uh, I encourage you to do that. If there's something that you're stuck in or struggling with or hidden in, come up and let Jesus set you free. Or you might just need to be where you are and go, Jesus, I I need to live on mission. You rescue me. I want to be used like Moses, like David, like the woman at the well to go and tell your story in my life so that others can be rescued. Let's pray. God, I thank you for being our rescuer. I thank you for being the one who rescues each one. I thank you for loving us and taking the time for us. And Lord, I pray that you would even bring to our recollection the rescue of our lives, how you saved us and set us on a path to righteousness from glory to glory, like the uh, This Is My Rescue Story song says. You do that for us. And I pray you'd bring that to, to our minds and our hearts so that we could respond out of that and live on mission with the phrase, it's about the one, and I'm gonna take the time for each one as a part of our lives. And if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, has never let you rescue them eternally, I pray that they would say yes to you right now. The work has been done. All that's left is opening the gift of salvation that you offer. Help us to worship you right now in spirit and truth and, and just open up our hearts and our, and our minds and our lives to you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.